as I'm not very used to one night stands. We got back to hers and had sex, although it wasn't amazing because I was dealing with performance anxiety throughout most of it. And I'm feeling that heart pump. I'm feeling that tension. I'm feeling locked up within myself because of the anxiety around the sexual experience. And so I then just turn to her and just say, you know, stop kissing for a second and say, hey, listen, I got to be true with you. I'm feeling extremely anxious right now. You can only ever be where you are right now. What is your podcast? It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here, and welcome to the Bold Dojo Podcast, really the home of self-cultivation, a place where we can just dive into social dynamics, where we can understand how best to interact with other human beings and learn about ourselves in relation to others. If you have any questions or personal stories that you would like to get my feedback on, you can always send them through at bolddojo.com, B-O-W-L-D-O-J-O.com, any one of the contact forms there. Or you can also reach out to me on social media, on Instagram at uitang one double oi tang one or on facebook which is just facebook the adam ui you guys can find all the links down below to that also if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter the bowl sip you can do so over at bowldojo.com just a quick sip of social dynamics little cheeky article it's free every single week comes out on fridays australian time and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that i think you guys need to know about that will not get censored over on social media once off sessions and I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy, on boldoja.com. A nice five-track, eh, we call it an album, but it's actually more of a course. Just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash Adam Ui, A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Or also directly on boldojo.com in the Boldojo podcast section. There's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well. And anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at The Bowl. So thank you very much. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Yes, sir. How not to sleep with a hot Russian model. Playing this caricature of inauthentic masculinity, living up to this expectation of alpha masculinity in which that you only induce this performance anxiety, this sexual performance anxiety, which in this podcast, we will rewrite and we will help to recorrect in your psychological concept of what it means to have a sexual experience because it is a sexual experience anxiety because by even labeling it sexual performance, you are going to induce anxiety. We're going to move into this. We're going to move into what it means to be emotionally vulnerable. What it means that when that rain starts to fall on you and the anxiety and the rain of your anxiety is falling down and the umbrellas that you're pulling out is just not working, the breathing, the visualization is just not working. Why not? Because it's very hard to put the rain back in the sky. So that when there is raining, we have to learn to accept that rain. We have to learn to accept the way that we are feeling, the way that we are thinking, and then to be able to unapologetically, unashamedly, in the raw and truest of manners, to be able to express that to the woman in front of us and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Let's slow it down for a moment. Having the balls to slow it down as a man. Having the balls to acknowledge how you're feeling as a man. Something not taught. Something rarely discussed. And why so much anxiety is induced in the sexual arena. Today, this is what we're going to be discussing. We don't want caricatures of men. We don't want boys pretending to be men. I don't want to see, I don't want my daughter getting involved. I don't even have a daughter, but if I had a daughter, I wouldn't even want my daughter getting involved with these caricatures of masculinity. Let's do away with the paintings. Let's do away with this. Even the concept that there would be a caricature of it, that speaks to a much more systemic and deeper problem within society itself and the upraising of our masculine energy. And so if you come to this podcast today, it is because not only do you want to learn about how not to get engaged with a hot Russian model, which is not clickbait. This is actually a story for one of my clients. We will be getting into that and that will form the basis of today's uh, curriculum. 
But even more so than that, you come today because you want to learn about yourself in relation to others. This is what we do here on the Bodojo Podcast. Welcome, my friends. We're doing one session a month at the moment, and uh, I feel like that's good at the moment because I've just got a lot of other work going on, but I'm, I'm open to upscaling as well. I'm just happy to be here with you. And when we come into these sessions, we are going to keep it devoid of other politics. We're going to keep it devoid of other topics, and we're just going to stay focused on what it means to improve ourselves in relation to others, not only to being able to bring the best of ourselves to others, but to be able to offer the best of a human experience to someone else, to have them bring the best of themselves. That's what it means. That's what social dynamics is. That's what human interaction is. It's improving our existence as human beings and being cohesive and harmonious with each other. So welcome to today's session. Going to get into this client context and we're just going to roll in. Normally I drop plugs, uh, email list, link down below, boldojo.com brought to you by. Uh, If you enjoy this video, drop a thumbs up down below, drop me a comment with your feedback, big bigs, share it up. That's all there. (laughs) It's all there. And so let's get into today's context. So just a little bit, a little bit of context on today's context. This was uh, one of my clients, mid-20s clients who is in the US. I'd say that he is uh, quite a natural, actually. He is quite a natural, however, natural in social skill set, but not natural or not well-developed in cold social skill set. So quite a delineation there. If you're new to social dynamics, what I'm saying there is that he actually has a lot of the foundations of a strong psychological makeup for someone who just gets social cues, social skills and cues can read and perceive, can export, can have a good time, doesn't have a problem making friends, uh, hasn't had a problem uh, having girlfriends in the past, et cetera, et cetera. Very sexually practiced uh, for a young gentleman his age, uh, abundant in sexual experience. However, that does not necessarily and almost never directly crosses over to the cold arena of meeting human beings. The ability to go up to a random human being, be it in the bar, be it out in the, on the beach, in the gym, wherever it may be, and to be able to actually harness the best of your social skills, social cues, your social skills, and to be able to deliver an experience that would guide that experience through to its full fruition. You know, that's quite a, it's quite a skill set actually to be able to do that with a random human being, which he's underdeveloped in. He has uh, little concept of. In most of the work that we do together, it's mostly about his internal relationship, the relationship he has with himself, internal beliefs, concept of ego, value system value of how he values himself and values himself in relation to the rest of this world how he values the world so we work more in other areas of his temple which is why he has not done a lot of social development but he's getting his feet wet getting his beak wet into uh this world of cold social dynamics and so at the moment he's just going about just trying to go out at night a little bit and just kind of test the water see what it's like to be in this environment and do what i refer to as seeing goes which is basically the first course skill set of anyone practicing social dynamics cold is to be able to practice the ability to see someone and go you see, see someone you're interested in go man or woman go right just see them register intent attraction go and attraction is just merely the uh, registration of interest that's really all attraction is at its first kindling is that I see someone and there's something about them I better go do something about it that skill set while it seems uh, if you're not if, first off, if you're a natural or if you're someone that is uh, well-practiced in social dynamics, you you pass that off as being innocuous. Oh, yeah, see someone I like? Of course, go up to them. But for most beginners in the journey of social dynamics, that is the hardest skill set 
to learn to just register interest and attraction and just move towards it. Don't move away from it. Don't laterally move. God forbid, don't posteriorly move. Like don't reverse from it. Don't run away from it. Move towards it. So he's currently just enjoying some of that. While it's not the main focus of his development right now, he's focused in other areas. I say to anyone who's more focused on career or you're more focused on whatever it may be in the rest of your life and the rest of your temple, your total temple development, which is purpose, physical, mental, social development, transcended by your inner knowing, a deeper, more esoteric, spiritual knowing. When you put that temple together, uh, you're not always going to be focused on social dynamics. That's one part of the temple. But if you're not, but you still want to, you still want to, like I said, get our beak wet. You still want to not just be this absolute cold turkey. You still want to be able to go out and not feel like you're, handicapped or you not feel like you are disabled i should say from being able to engage people socially even if it's not something you want to spend a tremendous amount of time working on right now seeing goes just practice seeing goes so he sent me this email here we go i know that was a long wind up into what we're about to go into but i feel like that was pretty good actually i think i think that was all relevant so he sent me this email. Oh, by the way, why did he send me this email? Because this is pre-context for one of our in-person, well, I should say Skype coaching sessions. Feels like in-person now because that's all we're able to do for so many years because of COVID. But we're not going to talk about politics today. Definitely not. So pre-context for one of our sessions, he said to me, I had a pretty eventful weekend. Uh, wait, did I tell you where he's from? Yeah, from the US, mid-20s from the US. That's all I'll say. Uh, in a pretty metropolitan city as well. This is not out in the sticks. Pretty hype city, some of you might call. Bit of a yeet city, actually. <laughs> so he says, had a pretty eventful weekend. Definitely lots to talk about. Uh, went out twice, both the intention of doing seeing goes and just generally becoming more comfortable and at ease with being out at night. First night, Friday, I went out in X City with my friend, just call him Stevo, with my friend Stevo. In line to a popular club, we began talking to this Russian girl. She was older than me but had been living in this city for five years doing a certain type of job and writing as a certain type of writer. Turns out she was also a runway model back in Russia, which was pretty cool. She was definitely attractive, but I wouldn't say she was my 10. Regardless, we got along well and seemed to connect pretty well. I would talk to her and tease her about various things, and although it wasn't my initial intention, I began to escalate things as the night went on. I had a drink of her once we got in the club, and we continued to talk and banter. I can't remember the details, but I'm sure there was some light touching and hand holding when I was leading her to go get a drink. One fun and new experience was when she was showing me some ass pics on her phone and talking about her booty workouts. She does, in brackets, Lameo, in brackets, and was bragging about having a great ass, etc. I was casually like, wow, that's awesome. Can I feel your ass? <laughs> She laughed and obliged, and then she felt like wait, wait, and then she felt mine after after. Hold on, let me say that again. Sorry, as the way this is written, it's very it's tiny. It's tiny on my screen, so I'm sorry if the pacing's a little bit off here. Uh, <laughs> let me say that again. So he said in a very casual. He said casually, "Wow, that's awesome. Can I feel your ass?" She laughed and obliged, and then she felt mine after, which was also amusing. By the end of the night, we were doing shitty salsa dancing and making out some, and then I popped the idea of Ubering back to hers, and she was down. I left my friend, and we went to her place in X City. Although I felt very relaxed and natural throughout the night, now I began feeling some pressure, as I'm not very used to one-night stands, and was having some performance anxiety. 
We got back to hers and had sex. Although it wasn't amazing because I was dealing with performance anxiety throughout most of it. She was very sweet and warm with me though, but I was disappointed in my performance and couldn't seem to relax. I slept at her place and left in the morning after getting her number. I specifically remember feeling a ton of anxiety in the morning for some reason. I felt like we connected well, but I really didn't know her. And I also didn't know how to act in the situation. I felt very out of touch with what I authentic- authentically wanted. Say it again. I felt very out of touch with what I authentically wanted and seemed obsessed over the idea of what should I do? Was I being a dick if I just left without asking to meet up another time? Would she see me as some douche who just fucked her and left? Should I stay in bed with her and make out more? Does she want me to leave? Does she ever want to see me again? It seemed like I had no idea what the etiquette for a one-night stand is, and that combined with my performance anxiety from the night before made me very uncomfortable. On the way back home, I literally walked two and a half hours across the city because I didn't feel like spending money on another Uber, I thought about the experience. On paper, it was exactly everything I wanted. Go out, meet a beautiful Russian model, take her home, have sex, etc. But now that it had happened, I found I hadn't enjoyed the experience nearly as much as I had thought. Mostly because of my lack of self-love, self-confidence, and the anxiety. I'm going to say that bit again. But now that it had happened, I found that I hadn't enjoyed the experience nearly as much as I thought I would, mostly because of my lack of self-love, self-confidence, and the anxiety. In a way, it made me realize how far I have yet to go on this journey. I realized that someone adept in social dynamics could probably have had more fun just talking and bantering with new people, uninhibited by social anxiety or others' opinions, than I could literally sleeping with a beautiful foreign model. It made me realize that the real reward of this work is self-expression and the ability to have fun and enjoy yourself. Because even if you get all the best external validation, nothing will work until you feel good on the inside. The email goes on after that to describe his next night, but that's all we need for today. That's all we need for today. Let's reflect on that for a second, my friends. How do you feel after listening to that? Now, I remember reading that email for the first time. I had this session with him. So that's pre-context for a session I had just this week gone by. Today is Friday. I, had him, I talked to him earlier in the week. When I first read that email, I was really lit up. I was very inspired by that final reflection. And it shows that the work that he's been doing internally, at least in regards to how he perceives himself, how he perceives the journey, uh, is is manifesting. Even if in the moment, due to a lack of experiential reference due to a lack of skill, not only in skill of managing what it means to go home with a woman first time you meet her that night and progress through that in a balanced, harmonious way, but also more so the skill to be able to manage yourself, managing oneself, as Peter Drucker wrote a classic business book on. Very short book as well, if you're interested. It's not bad. Principles will apply. It's like one of the, the most popular business books. So, 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 so. <clears throat> How are we going to run this? Feelings. The feelings of it. How many of you can relate to this? 
How many of you have been in the position that my client has been in, in which that when you start to near a goal, you start to near the goal of sexual validation, going through a sexual experience of a woman, and the very issue of you having enabled, established that that was in fact the goal is what has led to so many issues. But put, passing that to the side, we'll get to all these things in a second. We'll get to the red flags. We'll get to the remedies in a second. But I just want you guys to sit in with this for a while because I'm yet to have come across, well, at least in my coaching profession, at least in being a social dynamics coach, I'm yet to come across a male that has not experienced some form of what you just heard, in which that everything is going swimmingly. Everything is uh, progressing quite well. Uh, there's very little resistance throughout I would say 90% of the experience, it's only in the final 10% that now all of a sudden the resistance level gets jacked up to 100 kilos when you were previously lifting feathers. And now all of a sudden everything you do and everything that you feel and the way that you think about the experience in the moment, it's just you're weighed down. There's so much weight to it. And as we were in the coaching session itself, he was describing to me about, yeah, that it was his hard-on, his erection would come in and out, would come on and off. And even though that she was... Uh, very warm and very, and that this was this is perfect. He described that it was even worse, Adam, because she wasn't some evil, domineering woman who's just demanding and expecting. She didn't put any expectations on me, Adam. That made her even worse because here I've got this warm, gentle, happy to be there with me. She's not putting any pressure on me at all. She's also obviously beautiful. She's this beautiful Russian model, but most importantly, she's just she's an angel about it. She's being an angel about it, and I still can't. I still can't in quotes perform. Let's let's that will be the next segue. We need to eradicate this word perform. We're going to get to that in a second. But this part of the podcast, this part or this little section I've just gone on was really just me trying to uh, give you guys, get you guys into the feeling, get you into the relation of what this might feel like, what this might be like if you have not been through it before. But I'm sure most of you can relate to this. I sure as hell can. I sure as hell can when I was coming up in the social dynamics journey. And listen, my friends, I've got to, uh, I'll finish that line and then we'll get into something as well. This, this, this is going to be a session. Today's going to be a session because it's not just when you're coming up. This can affect you at all stages of the journey if you lose a handle on your psychology, if you lose a handle on your spirit. So anyways, coming back up in the journey, I had mad problems with erectile dysfunction. I made much content on it throughout this uh, long-standing podcast. I've got several podcasts dedicated to erectile dysfunction and many that are not even in the title, but just we're discussing other people's, other uh, clients and followers, uh, supporters of this podcast, their problems with... Again, sexual performance anxiety. So let's get to that now. What is the issue with sexual performance anxiety? The very fact that you are framing up your sexual experience as a performance. Now, if you are taking it, don't get stuck in the word games with me about literality. If you are just, it is literally to, to, to go and do something is another way of saying that is to go and perform something. I get that. That's not what we're talking about though. What we're talking about here is that you are, investing far more weight into what the word performance is purely beyond the fact of the act of doing it. That you are wrapping up ideas of self-concept within how you perform. So it's not just the literality of penetrating yourself into another body or to connecting your body of another. It is what that says about you, who you are in that moment. 
And whether that is satisfactory or unsatisfactory can wreak havoc on your concept of self. Sexual performance. I hate this term. I hate this term. I hate very, very few things in this life. Hate is a very strong term. But I, 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 I've, it's, it would be better off if none of you ever used that term again. If You'd be far much, far better off if you never framed up what you are going to do if you're a man listening to this or if you're a masculine being listening to this as to what you're going to be doing with a feminine being. If you were to just do one thing, and that's why I want to start the podcast, really the tactical instruction of this podcast with this point. And if you stop listening to this podcast after this, you would be in the right direction. There's a lot more you're going to need to learn. Uh, through. So I'd recommend listening to the rest of this podcast. But even if you didn't, you'd be on the right trajectory if you just took this one note, which is that it's not a sexual performance. It is a sexual experience. Swap out the word performance with experience. Take a step back. Sexual performance anxiety versus sexual experience anxiety. How does that feel? How does that make you feel? Sexual performance anxiety, that's terrifying. It really is. Even just saying it, it's like sexual performance anxiety. Even just the term itself causes, it makes me feel bad. It doesn't make me feel good at all. But then when I think about sexual experience anxiety, well, that feels a lot more holistic, doesn't it? Whereas sexual performance anxiety brings ideas to very much the very physicality of things, the very much the very penetration of things or the lack of penetration, the lack of a uh, stable erection, the lack of being able to uh, satisfy her, talking about the satisfaction levels, the fear of not being able to satisfy. You know, it, it's, very, it's very narrowly focused. Whereas if you actually experience sexual performance, well, using that term if you're in the mind of that term which i'm certainly not but let's just take it for a second if you're in the mind of sexual performance anxiety it's so narrowly focused yet it does not bring a enough wide enough for a wide enough awareness of what led to it it's almost as if it boxes you into well if it's focused purely on the erection itself and in that moment when you could not get the erection. Whereas if you were to actually study the experience and the trigger moment of, in quotes, sexual performance anxiety, you would know that it happened well before. The onset of your sexual performance, in quotes, anxiety happened well before you ever took your pants off. The seeds of it were already being laid and sown well before that. Coming to my... Uh, coming back to my client here for a second, of course, in our coaching session, I, I dive into the nitty gritty of all this and I said to him, so tell me about the trigger point. Tell me about when the, in your words, sexual performance anxiety began. And he goes, mm, well, I guess it was back in the Uber then. It was back in the Uber. And I said, tell me about that. Why? He's like, well, I guess it's because, why, what, what about the Uber moment? Well, it's because it's pretty obvious now that we're going back to her place to have sex. Like that, that was the moment. And that's why, and that, and it was from that moment on that I started to play a character. This is his words. I started to having to feel like I had to be someone. I had to be the guy because I'm, you know, I met this girl in the club. We're driving back. And I have to be that, that display of alpha masculinity, and I have to show up here. I have to I have to, and that. And he also explicitly described along with this caricature idea. The caricature idea is that, and from that point on. I just didn't know what I was doing. So I, I didn't know what to do because I was acting inauthentically. That's basically word for word what he said. Playing a character, acting inauthentically. But notice, and the point of why I brought this particular part up is notice that the sexual, in quotes, sexual performance anxiety did not begin 
when he took his pants off. It began well before that, back in the car. I can tell you right now, the first time I experienced, uh, sexually experienced anxiety, now switching the words out, the first time that I experienced erectile dysfunction didn't happen when we got in the bed, when I got in the bed with her when I was 19 years old. It was when I had rushed it from making out on the river here in Adelaide, making out on the river late in the night, and then sensing that, oh, when I said to her, hey, you want to go back in Disney and chill, go hit up this Lion King? And she's like, yeah, sure. And it's from that moment on the trigger starts because then it's like, okay, get to the bus as fast as possible. When you're on the bus, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. When you get back into your house or you're walking through the front gate, it's like rush through the door and then you get into the door and then it's just straight into your bedroom. You didn't even watch the bloody Lion King. You didn't even take a time to breathe. You didn't even take time to check in with yourself. You were just rolling at this pace, this expect, this expected pace because it's like, oh, well, she said she wanted to come back. So that must mean that she's expecting us to have a great sexual experience. And even though that's not what you're thinking in your mind, it's like, but all of these different threads can play in. It's like, satisfy her, do the best I can, be the guy, be the alpha masculine guy. And it's just, it's overwhelming. You can feel it. It is overwhelming. It's like, I had to wipe my eyebrows and it's like, wipe my face out. <laughs> it's too much. I got to press my eyes in. It feels good actually when you do that, which is why I'm doing it. Which is that it's too much. It's too much when you deepen your mind and you deepen the thoughts of things that you cannot be present with her. And so we can get to the physicality of things in which that you guys want to talk about what erectile dysfunction is. Let me just drop this marker right now. The reason what saving that you've had a motorbike accident or that you have blood pressure issues inherently unrelated to this psychological phenomena, erectile dysfunction is a psychological phenomena in which that you are unable to direct blood flow down into your erection, into your penis, because you have so much thought going on in your mind. You can't keep a hard erection. You can't keep a hard one because what you have deemed is that due to the stress of the situation, you need cognitive processing. You need the ability to be able to process thought because remember, this is a fight or flight response. This is a being perceived as a survival situation in which that you are causing so much stress as a result of your overthinking, as a result of your beliefs about what need to happen here. And when it's not happening, but therein, therein lies the snake eating its own tail. That if you were to simply relax your mind, breathe into the moment, slow down, allow blood to flow throughout your entire body, you would find this would not be an issue. You can, you can literally, for those of you that don't have, well, this is the issue. This is the thing. This is the thing. Erectile dysfunction isn't something you either have or don't have. It is a state. Sexual, if we talk about now, a sexual experience in and of itself is a living state, right? It is a state of relaxation, of excitement in the best of times. It can be a state of hard-done stress, of, of a cemented, locked-up mind and body. You know, you've, you've got opposite ends. You've got a polarizing end here of what a sexual experience can be. And erectile dysfunction exists on one end of that scale. But never mistake, and this is even a really good mention for... Uh, those of you who are quite sexually practiced and would consider yourselves to not have erectile dysfunction, d- don't get that twisted. Don't get that twisted because you might be in a relationship thinking, I don't have erectile dysfunction. You might not have it in that experience with that person. But what if we were, put you, what if we were to put you into a situation just like with my client where you met this who you're not particularly well practiced with this idea of meeting someone for the first time at night and then you come home that night and, and the sex is on that night and you're just not used to that, especially with a girl that uh, is outwardly very attractive, whether she's your absolute 10 or not, regardless, irregardless, I should say. Right? This is still a very new experience. It's something that you're not very well practiced in. Right? The 
potential for you to get locked up and closed in your mind, to shell up, to overprocess, overthink, to direct blood flow to your brain, and, and in doing so, eliminate the signal of sending blood flow down into where it's most needed. Anyone is susceptible to that. Anyone is susceptible to that. And I can relate to this big time because uh, even with girls that I'm with today, if it's a new girl for the first time, and if for some reason I dropped out in the moment and I found myself entering a spiral of anxious-based thought and that rain of that anxiety starts to rain down, we'll start to get that in a second. We'll get to that in just a moment. I can experience it myself. And I'll be 100% honest with you that you'll notice that, oh shit, if I start to think a little too much, that hard-on is not is not as hard as it should be. If you start to direct blood flow into your brain is what I'm talking about here. So unless you've had a motorbike accident and you've actually damaged blood vessels or you have other indirect issues around blood pressure, it is a purely psychological phenomenon. It's something you need to do in, in work of controlling your mind. This is a work of controlling the mind. So I said the reign of your anxiety. We're going to move to that. We're going to, we're going to be all over the shop here. We're, going to, we're just going to dive in and out. The reign of your anxiety. <clears throat> he told me that when he was in the Uber. Oh, right, right no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Not the reign of your anxiety yet. We have not passed out or we're not defined, fully finished the, the definition of sexually experienced anxiety. So I was talking to you guys about, bring this back up, this bamboo shoot, getting back up on this framework. Sexual performance anxiety, it's too narrow and it doesn't elucidate to the fact of when it truly began. It really focuses you in the moment of the greatest moment of pain and the greatest moment of resistance, but the greatest moment of resistance doesn't just happen, right? It's a snowball effect. Sexual experience anxiety should now help you if you can now reframe your mind around it. I feel like it's a lot more helpful. It's a lot more, not only more accurate, but it's also more helpful because when I hear that and I hear that back, sexual experience anxiety, it's like, oh, it's not just about what happened when I took my pants down and when she started to take her pants off. It was what was I doing every moment leading up to that? What was my state of psychology every moment leading up to that? Sexual experience anxiety is how we will refer to it for the rest of this podcast. And if you ever hear me using SPA, it's because I'm referring it to someone else's term, someone else's use of it. But think about it that way now. Okay, moving that to the side, the reign of your anxiety. So you'd mentioned that in the Uber, that he had tried breathing, he tried visualization, and it did help a little bit but obviously not enough. Why is this? Why is this? Especially for some of you might be thinking about, because if you guys might be throwing the question to me, so how do you fix this? How do you control your mind? How do you get the blood flow to be far more regular and far more uh, all-encompassing around your entire body? Well, breathing, visualization are often probably the two things that would come first to be able to center yourself back in the moment. But there was something I dropped in the intro of this podcast that I will now hammer on. It's very hard to put the rain back in the sky. Once you've already entered a thought spiral of limiting beliefs, of anxiety itself, that rain is going to fall for some time. No amount of breathing, no amount of visualizing in the moment itself is going to be able to, at least within a short time period, relative to, depending how far gone you are, right, within the next one to two hours at a minimum, it's akin to bringing out an umbrella that has holes in it. Now, I'm not saying don't bring out the umbrella. Of course, bring out the umbrella. If it starts to rain, bust out the umbrella. But please know that the umbrella has holes within it. And you need to acknowledge that. 
because otherwise you can fall into this trap of demonizing the umbrella itself. Listen, just because when you start to enter this thought loop of shit, okay, getting anxiety here, what if I can't please her? What if I can't do what I'm supposed to do here? I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this one night stand thing and I have not really done this before. And actually in the past, it hasn't worked out that well as well. It's like, so you're getting all these, like, so the rain's starting to fall. This is the rain I'm talking about that leads to, leads to all this anxiety. You get all this tension in your body. Bust out the umbrella for sure. Bust out the breathing. Start to control your breathing. It's going to help. Absolutely. Will it fix it entirely? Unlikely. Because when the rain starts to fall, It'll fall for a little bit of time. However, it's always important to note that this too shall pass. No rain lasts forever. We'll get to the this too shall pass in just a second, but it is important to know that. That's the next section. But staying on that, when, when the rain falls, bust out the umbrella. Don't demonize the breathing and the visualization just because it's not doing everything or just because it's not fixing the problem immediately. It's going to take some time. I can talk. I can speak to this from experience, and you can. My clients said the same thing. It's like, yeah, it's true. Like, it did help. The breathing and visualization does help when you start to get that onset of anxiety. But the fact that I even entered, that I asked for the rain to come down, right, it's going to be here for a little bit of time. So you got to weather the storm. Weathering the storm because this too shall pass. Now this is the next key. Because this is very tactical. This podcast to begin with. It's basically just a recap of the session that I had with him. So when you, this is part one. Okay, so let's just get straight into let's, let's let's really make this very tactical. So the way that I instructed him to deal with this is that when you do get that onset and the rain of the rain of your anxiety starts to fall, when the onset of your sexual experience anxiety starts to fall, number one, acknowledge and accept. Acknowledge that this is what's happening. That yes, okay, whatever thought it was that I, with the previous girl that I was with, things didn't turn out the way that I wanted to. I entered the same pattern. And it was a pretty disappointing experience, not only for her, but for myself as well. And so I definitely don't want that to happen. That was most likely the triggering thought. If you're in the moment, if that starts to trigger, right? If it's just that, um, this is so new for me. I've never gone through this before. And that was the trigger thing. And now you start to get tense and tired about it, which then leads to, will I ever be able to satisfy her? And she, you can see it cascades and cascades. Acknowledge and accept that this is the way that you are feeling. And this is the way you are thinking. This is what's happening. Right, standing in the storm and pretending that it's not raining, it doesn't help anyone. Acknowledge and accept this is how you think and feel. Part two. Express. Express unapologetically how you are feeling and thinking to the girl that you're with, to your partner. This is the next section of my coaching session with the client, which is that I said to him, Hey, why did you have to have sex that night? And there was an ensuing silence. Did you have to have sex with her? Particularly, specifically, once you had ascertained that you were in the reign of this anxiety of your sexual experience, and you you were almost, it was a foregone conclusion that things were never going to go the way that you wanted to based on how you were feeling. Why did you have to continue to push through to sex? When weighing the risk benefit of the risk of saying to her that I'm actually uncomfortable to have sex tonight because of how I'm feeling right now, I'm feeling very anxious. I prefer if we could just slow it down and just breathe into each other just a little bit more. The risk of that versus the benefits of continuing to 
push forward anyway. Still have sex anyway. No matter how lacking in satisfaction it may have been, but you still did it anyway. The risk-benefit. And you can actually flip that. We could change those examples to flip in the just a reverse perspective of what would be the benefit of being raw and authentic with a woman when you are feeling anxiety based around this sexual experience and to tell her honestly how you feel and that you would prefer to slow it down and just breathe deeply into each other. What would be the benefits of that versus the risk of pushing forward anyway, pretending to be this caricature of alpha masculinity in which that you just stoic, statuesque, get it done, I'm a boss, I'm a man, right? You can flip it either way. The result is going to be the same. No one benefits more from having a lacking experience sexually. Not her, not you. The risk of being rawly authentic with a woman is so minimal compared to what other potential benefits you could gain from just having said, okay, we fucking did it. And even though it wasn't great, but we did it. You see what I'm saying here? Upon hearing this in our session, he had a bit of a light bulb and it kind of dawned on him. He's like, I never even considered that we didn't have to have sex that night. And he said to me explicitly, I've never had the balls to tell a woman that I'm uncomfortable to have sex tonight. So, part two as I had started this off with, so what should he have done? What did? What would I have recommended was, not in the Uber itself, but once you guys get inside and you're moving towards that, that moment, the moment of particularly leading up to when clothes start to come off. You know, everything's probably okay. Like I would, I would at least give myself a chance. Like I wouldn't be there in the Uber next to her saying, okay, listen, and trying to pull my heart out there. That's a little socially uncalibrated. I'll at least wait to get inside and just see if the environment changes anything. But upon seeing that nothing changes and that we're lying down on the rug next to each other or we're down in the bed next to each other and I'm feeling that heart pump, I'm feeling that tension, I'm feeling locked up within myself because of the anxiety around the sexual experience. And so I then just turn to her and just say, you know, stop kissing for a second and say, hey, listen, I got to be true with you. I'm feeling extremely anxious right now. I feel like we just need to slow this down. I'd like to breathe into you just a little bit deeper. I'd like to breathe into you just a little bit deeper. Let's just feel each other a little bit deeper. That expression of raw authenticity about how you're actually feeling inside, being connected with how you feel inside and then just expressing that out, what I refer to as embodied truth, releasing the embodied truth, not trying to rationalize it or egoitize it. So in the session with my client, I asked him how he would best go about doing that before saying what I just said. And he got half of it, but he added an extra half, which was quite superfluous and unnecessary and potentially damaging, which is, he said, he, he said yes, I want to slow it down. I want to breathe a bit deeper, but it's because things in the past have not gone well. Uh, I, I, you know, these disappointments, these uh, experiences I've had of other people, uh, not my, I'm worried about having to be able to please and satisfy you. He added a whole bunch of rationalizations and egoic justifications for why he needs to slow it down. And I said to him, but is that necessary in the moment? 
is it enough to just rawly and truly, authentically express how you feel? Which is that I'm feeling anxious, which is that I'm feeling locked up, and that I would like to slow it down and breathe a little deep into each other. Is that not enough? Now the light bulb dings. Now, for those of you in this podcast, why, where's the difference there? What, what is the difference, I should say? The difference is, is that we are not just expressing how we feel inside of ourselves in order to shut this experience down. We want to ride with it. When you express how you feel to a woman in truth, in authenticity, in the rawness of what is actually going on inside of you, Seldom she will not ride with you. Almost always she will ride with you. Most women have not felt that raw expression. The true authenticity from a male to say that actually, I'm a bit scared right now. I'm a bit anxious right now. Can we slow this down? Can we breathe into each other a little bit more? I don't know many women that have had an experience like that over men. She'd be endeared. She'd be brought closer to you. She'd be us to activate a little more empathy for how you're feeling. Women are particularly good at this. Women are particularly evolutionary primed to be more empathetic. They are child bearers. And so expect that most women will ride with you in the face of your authentic confession, your truest expression, in which they'll go, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I get it. Few women, few, I'm not saying there aren't, I'm not saying it's not impossible, but few women will come back at you by saying, why? Why? What's wrong? What's wrong with me? Or what's wrong with you? Yeah, unless they're drunk. Unless they are on other mind state altering consumatives, consumables. Most women will hear that for the first time, by the way. Most women will hear that for the first time because I, at least amongst my girlfriends and my clients over the last six years that I've seen, and not just girlfriends that I've been sexually intimate with, but girls that are friends, uh, every time I talk about this, they always go, yeah, I've basically never heard that from a guy ever. I've never heard a guy in a first sexual experience actually own up to how he's feeling. Like, this is revolutionary shit. I'm like, it is revolutionary shit. And so, and, and even more so, like that's just from my female counterparts, like I have a real connection with, but- Every time I have a client practice this, this is where the confidence behind what I'm saying comes from. Every time I've had a client express how he truly feels in the moment with a woman, particularly on the negative end, the end of anxiety, of of being truly scared, the response coming back has always been above and beyond empathetic, above and beyond compassionate to how he's feeling and that she will ride with him which is why I keep using this term, she'll ride with you. Now, even if a woman didn't want to ride with you and she either laughed at you, rejected you, whatever your worst fear or fear is about how she's got to respond to that, that she would ask you to leave then and there, whatever it may be, whatever you're dreaming up in your mind as a nightmare, would that be the person you would want to dive into a sexual experience with? The people that you want to dive into a sexual experience with are the ones that are going to ride with you, which means they're going to be caring, empathetic, understanding of what it is that you're feeling, and that would match a pace with you, match a frequency with you and energy, in sexual spiritual energy in which that you guys come together to dissolve the concept of self, 
feel that raw, passionate intimacy and physicality and that you move in sync. You move in time with each other. And moving in time with each other is not just in the PPMs and the pumping of each other physically, but it is moving in time with each other in terms of your thoughts, in terms of your psychological makeup, your mental makeup, which hopefully in time, as you do more and more, would result in nothing. As two human beings coming together physically, mentally, they can connect into that third piece of spirituality. Right? We talk about the sexual realm. We talk about physically sexual, mentally sexual, but then spiritually sexual. It's always, I have always said it in that order because what happens first, physically or mentally, is very much dependent upon the person that you're with and what state you're in. Sometimes you connect sexually mentally before you do sexually physically. Sometimes it's the reverse. They can be interchangeable. But there's one thing that I can say without a doubt, which is that the sexual spiritual, that is the final piece to the puzzle. It is the final piece to the puzzle in which that there is a dissolution of self. There is a dissolution of the ego known as Adam that could even potentially be thinking about sexual experience anxiety. They could even be thinking about having to satisfy her. Having to satisfy her and having to prove myself as a man only exists within my concept of self known as Adam. But when I delete Adam, I am free to act without limit. When you release and you relinquish your insatiable grip upon who you think you are and you can just enter the moment with that person in front of you, well, that's love. You can enter what love is. Being in love and what love is is two different things. We say, I'm not saying you're falling in love with that person. Maybe you are. What I'm saying is that you're entering love. We're entering big love when we start to talk about this now. Big love is an expression of the moment in its truest form. Entering love with that person to be able to love in the moment. Bring love, enter love, be love. It's, did he become the universe or did the universe become him? Did you become love or did love become you? These are questions I would hope that you would ask in post-reflection when you have done it right. When you have done it right, because in the moment itself, there is no person to perceive any of this. You're just so tapped into the moment. But afterwards, you reflect on the night, you reflect on what the hell just happened, and you're trying to piece this shit together. I had an experience with a woman with this recently. Shout out to her if she's listening. Rose. I wrote an entire... Well, that's not her actual name. But I wrote, I, I, wrote, I wrote an entire short story in the Bullsip email. It's like a three-page... At least three pages, I would say. And a lot of you sent me some tremendous feedback on it about one of the... Literally the greatest cold approach experience, cold human interaction experience I've ever had in my entire life. I uh, went down about a month ago now, I would say, or three, at least three weeks ago. And I wrote up an entire story and it just only got sent out to my Bullsip email. I'm thinking about posting it on the website though because it's just that legendary uh, in terms of the experience itself. Also, I, I put a lot of effort into writing it. Uh, many, many weeks of drafting that. Anyways, I had an experience with her. That experience with her and my recounting of it, the way that we kissed each other, sitting there, <laughs> profiles to the sunset, profiles to the sunset, how to fall in love in reverse was the title of that story. And it was just, the way that we kissed each other was best described as the eruption of a volcano. The gentle breeze. The calm night sky. 
and words are useless to describe the perfection of a moment. What I'm trying to point to is, is that you'll scramble. You'll scramble in post to try to find words to describe what you felt when it was done right. You will do your best. And so what I'm saying, these questions of, was I love or did love become me? Was I the universe or did the universe become me? These are the questions that will arise that if you are interested in self-introspection, if you're interested in reviewing your experiences to be able to improve upon them, not only to honor what was done well, the goodness, the goodness of your humanity, but also what needs to be approved upon. Hopefully you would ask these questions. We got into a very nice spiritual space there. Let's let's tap it back up for a sec. Let's go back to the back of this bamboo shoot. You guys know what happens when I get deep. <laughs> uh, where are we at with this? Where are we at? Where are we at is, did you even have to have sex? Absolutely not. She'll ride with you. I, I, I personally have never met a woman that has not been out to ride, that has not ridden with me, I should say, that didn't ride with me. You know, this isn't the only client that I've uh, exported this out to. I have a long track history with clients who are, as I refer to as, soft-shell crabs. Soft-shell crabs. Wait, that came out wrong. Soft-shell crabs. There we go. Not soft-shell crabs. <laughs> soft-shell crabs. And what a soft-shell crab is, is just a, just a really nice guy. A really nice guy who has, generally speaking, less sexual experience than the average person. Yeah, maybe maybe a few partners here and there, but maybe most of their sexual experiences existed within tight monogamous relationships. And so now that they're out in this adventurous wild scene, they're journeying into learning about themselves in relation to others. They're going out and they're meeting 50, 60, 70 different people a night. They're doing this across nights, across nights, across days, across days, across weeks, and the months, and the years. And they're amassing all this human experience. And then all of a sudden they come across someone where as a result of recognizing all that practice, all that deep practice of human connection. Well, hang on, this guy is someone I would like to dive into. You know, it's different for a woman. It's different for a woman where she goes out on a night and, well, okay, this guy's, I guess, is okay. You know, he's, I guess, is okay. He seems like maybe he can give me a good time. Maybe it's a big good time with this guy. There's a very big difference between that, that indifference, just that settling versus actually... I want to be with this guy. Like not even, I'm not talking about like the permission of things. Don't social justice me right now. What I'm talking about is the actual magnetizing, the magnetizing to another human being. And so you've been grinding, you've been working on your human connection, your principles, your ability to be able to interact as a human being. So that someone would say, I actually want to dive deeper on you. It's a different league. I, I'm really pausing here. I want you to understand this. This is the journey. And so you had reached a moment. You had reached a moment in which that you had done something enough in that moment. Maybe it's not consistent enough in terms of your entire journey. Maybe you're not able to do it all the time. But at least at one moment, you were able to do that with someone. And you pulled them into that moment. You set up a groundwork, a frame in which that Anything that happens from this point on, it's always going to be in good faith. It's always going to be done in a mutually reciprocated respect of each other. So if anyone is feeling off in this moment, it would, it would, you can't imagine a scenario 
in which that someone would reject how that person is feeling when the beginning of the interaction was set on such a plate of gold. This is what I'm really trying to talk about here. I think I started to stem off, which is that I haven't met a woman in my entire experience that wasn't willing to ride with me. Yet, why are so many guys afraid to express how they truly feel? Because they don't feel like she's going to ride with them. They feel like that what would be met with is rejection and embarrassment. And I'm definitely not saying it's not possible. I'm sorry, I'm, let me say that again. I'm definitely not ruling out that there isn't someone that wouldn't do that. But then, we, then the question comes, which is, if you said it right from the beginning, it's almost impossible for that to happen. But even if it did happen, is that the person that you want to have a sexual experience with? Absolutely not. Of course not. So it's like, there's no way you can argue around this is what I'm trying to get to the final point with here. There's no argument against being authentic and true with how you're feeling and expressing or releasing your own bodied truth. And this is the final, this is the marker I want to put on that point, which I don't think we finished up before. Embodied truth, what does this mean? What does it mean to release embodied truth? Embodied truth is the truth of how you feel inside. What is a kiss? Let's do it. What is a kiss? This week, two different clients, this one that we're talking about today, and also a completely different client, I had to pose this question twice. In two different sessions, they're in different opposite ends of the world, different stages of their journeys, but they both had to be asked this question. It was quite the coincidence. I had to ask both of them, and I'll ask you guys the question now. What is a kiss? What is a kiss? This is not a trick question. It's just a question. What is a kiss? What is a kiss? Huh? What do you think it is? I'm giving you a moment right now. I'm going to take a swig of this old water. This old mitsu. Kiss What is a kiss? Hopefully you've had some time for yourself to just think about what actually a kiss is. Maybe some of you went, Jisua Wakaranaitis. Maybe I actually, I don't know. Maybe some of you don't know what a kiss is because... Uh, when I posed this question, when I posed this question to both my clients, <sighs> Sasuga, typical, they gave pretty good answers. That's just because they're my clients. <laughs> no, they. Uh, that's because of the work they've been doing. I should say, got nothing to do with me. But the work they've been doing led them to some pretty good answers. Uh, the client that was in this hot Russian model story, he said something to the effect of, very similar, just paraphrasing, that. It is deepening, deepening the... What, you know what? I can actually... Let me fucking get it. I can actually get it for you because this is something I'm going to put up on Instagram later today. Like I actually... Uh, Which is what is the kiss? What is the kiss? Just a question. What is the kiss? What is a kiss? The kiss is an emotional release going to a more deeper space with that person. So an acknowledgement of the connection between men and women. There you go. So... That were their actual responses in the moment because that was a third eye on the wall from uh, the actual sessions themselves where I just have a camera that's off to the side recording endlessly. So client number one said that his answer to what a kiss is is a deeper emotional release uh, bringing two people together or sliding into more intimacy. And then the other client said that it is the acknowledgement of the man-to-woman connection. So great answers, great answers, but too macro, too wide. They don't speak to the truth of how you are feeling inside. And so what a kiss is, my friends, is the communication of truth. 
the truth of what you feel inside. A kiss is the communication of the truth that you feel inside that words cannot describe. If words could do a satisfactory job for communicating how you feel inside, you would use them. But they pale in comparison to the connection that could be felt when your lips meet hers. I think back to this kiss that I had with Rose just a few weeks ago. And I think back to that moment and go, I had no other choice. If you ask me, why did you kiss me? Because I had no other choice. There were no words to communicate how I feel about this moment and what needs to be done in this moment. So I had to kiss you because that was the truth of what I felt inside. And the truth of what I felt inside would never be authentically expressed through words. So of course my lips need to meet yours. And so we find this release of embodied truth, which is what I'm talking about, which is why I brought up what is a kiss. A kiss is another way of saying that is a release of embodied truth. That is what a kiss is. Now, of course, we're talking about very specifically a first kiss here. We're not talking about, you know, if you've been married for five years or if you've got a boyfriend and girlfriend, known each other for ages, kiss each other. We're talking about the first time because it's the communication. Kisses can mean many things. Kisses can mean many things. But a kiss, the kiss, the first kiss communicates the truth that you feel inside that words cannot describe. The same principle of releasing your embodied truth in a kiss is exactly what we need to practice in a moment of sexual experience anxiety to release the embodied truth inside, which is, I feel scared. I feel anxious. Tell her about it. Let her ride with you. Let her demonstrate how caring and empathetic she can be. And what's most important here to push this point on now is to not shut it down past that point because there are two extremes to the spectrum. You can either feel that embodied truth of anxiety, of being scared, and to play a caricature of inauthenticity and to push through it, which is what my client did, and have an unsatisfactory experience. That's one end of the extreme. The other end of the extreme is what a lot of soft-shell crabs do, which is that they feel that embodied truth of anxiety, yet they use it to shut the experience down. So they run away from the experience. Either they won't express it to her. If you're good enough, you will express it to her, but you may still fail. And the failing would be to be there with her in the bed and the clothes are starting to come off and you go, hang on a second. Jenna, I just got to say that right now I'm feeling a little bit anxious. I'm feeling like I just need to slow this down. I feel like I just need to breathe into it just a little bit more. And when she signals off that she's willing to ride with you, that you shut down your sexual energy, you shut down the sexual experience of itself, that from this point onwards, even once your anxiety did calm down, maybe it took an hour, a couple of hours, there was no more reignition. There was no willingness to reignite. There was no willingness to continue exploring. And even if in other ways, there was just this complete shutdown of sexual energy. That's very extreme on the other end. That's why I keep saying to you, ride with. Ride with infers that this is not the end. This is the beginning of the journey. So as a masculine being listening to this, or if you're a female, I know a lot of females listen to this as well. So actually, I should play it from both ends, actually. But let me start with the male end. If you're a male listening to this, and you're feeling that sexual experience anxiety, and you, you play that, so you play tactical number one, point number one, acknowledge and accept, 
I accept how I'm feeling because if you can't accept how you're feeling within yourself, how on earth do you feel like you can export that to someone else? Like You need to be honest with yourself first. Once you've done that, be honest with them. Export that and release that embodied truth. Well, upon releasing that truth and gaining the feedback that this person is willing to ride with you, go back. Go back to step number one that you are most comfortable with and just keep playing within that. Keep moving around in step one. Keep moving, whatever that may be. If that's if that's just you know where you guys were, if you have to put your shirt back on, put your shirt back on. But it, this, if you were comfortable enough to take your shirt off, and it was when she started to take your pants off, that's when you got real anxiety. Why well, hey, you keep the shirt off? You don't need to. You don't need to regress beyond where you had already got to a point of comfortability. But if step one of your comfortability was, hey, I'm comfortable with my shirt off you, and I'm comfortable just kissing her, and I'm comfortable just looking in her eyes, I'm comfortable holding of her, and that, and you know that, and that's cool, right? Play around within that. Play around on that spectrum, on that level, right? Use particularly use massage, use the sensory physical touch, use the use the release of asking someone to trust and let go. You know, one of the greatest ways of bringing yourself to temperature sexually is to just trust each other a little bit more. Because a lot of the times with sexually experienced anxiety particularly, and when it comes to the physicality, is that you just don't trust that either you know what you're doing or that she likes what you're doing. Play within what you're comfortable with and the realm of what trust might look without. A great way of going about this is just asking a woman to lie on her back. Like lie down, just lie down. Close your eyes, lie down. First off, what does this communicate? That I trust you. That if I'm willing to lie back in such an intimate moment here and close my eyes, I trust that you're not going to hurt me. I trust that you're going to take care of me. Two key principles that a female needs to look for in a male that's going to do her right. A male that's going to treat her right. Definitely not going to hurt her. Most importantly, is going to take the utmost care in the consideration of her body, her mind, and of course her heart, her spirituality. If you're a woman listening to this right now, let me dive into you. If a man can't take care of you physically, mentally, and spiritually, which is to say, take care of your body, honor your body, honor your mind, honor your heart, honor the spirit, the essence within you, probably shouldn't be an experience with him. All right? He doesn't have to be perfect within all those three metrics. No one's perfect. But there has to be some display of all that. Lying a woman on her back, saying, hey, just... Lie down for me. Lie down for me for a sec. Close your eyes to me for a sec. To work your way down her body as if you were counting grains of sand. As if you were counting stars in the sky. To caress each fold, each line. Feel each moment deeply within her, within yourself, within the moment itself. This can take hours. You can take hours. There is no rush. Why is there a rush? Why did my client in this experience have to rush? Why couldn't he have worked through her body as if stars in the sky? They aren't going anywhere. The stars in the sky aren't going anywhere. And so neither should you be. What rush there should be? None. So, this is something uh, I had to learn to do myself. Which is that because I came from the same place. Used to get that sexual experience anxiety. Rushing, way too much rushing great way to eliminate the rush is to establish more trust because when you see that she trusts you all of a sudden now a little 
a little respite, a little wave, a little cool wave will come over you and go, ah, okay, so she's just lying here and she's closed her eyes. So what am, what am I doing being so tense? Why are the veins in my arms popping out right now? Why can I feel my heart pumping through my throat? Why is it that my toes, like all of a sudden you become aware of your toes and it's like they're clenched. It's like my glutes are clenched. Everything, my abs, I'm breathing short. Why am I breathing short when there's a candle, there's some dope music playing, it's chill, maybe some R&B, maybe it's some, uh, some Chinese flute, whatever you may be playing. Maybe she's, uh, um, I don't know, whatever kind of music you might be into. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff I'm into, R&B or some Chinese flute. They're quite relaxing. Anyways, I would, I would suggest maybe you got some, some, some Spanish. Spanish music is good as well. All right. Spanish music is good as well, but some low-key. I'm not talking about salsa dancing music, but I'm talking about some low-key acoustic guitar. Some, that's nice. Stay with me. And all of a sudden, you start to become aware of how immensely locked up you are psychologically and physiologically. All as a result of seeing her demonstration of trust. Just trust, just trust to lie back, close my eyes, because you're going to take care of me. Center yourself. Breathe deeply within your center. Don't breathe short. Go into that big belly breathing, as I like to say. Let your belly expand. Release it slowly. Now, for demonstrative purposes, demonstrative purposes, I exhale through my mouth there, but I would, generally speaking, recommend breathing in and out through the nose. Control it. Control it. And then work your way through. You'd be amazed to how much time you can spend on a woman's neck if you are actually present in the moment. You'd be amazed with the responses that she would feel as a result of you running your tongue down her neck. The release, the comfort built as a result of you taking such care, such care and consideration for something that is actually very delicate and something I would refer to as the subtle lines of her delicate neck. Within the subtle lines of her delicate neck, you'll find her trust, you'll find her comfort, you'll find where you need to be. And where you need to be is just here, right now. This can be applied to the rest of her body and this can be applied to the rest of the moment as you work down and work through. Don't breeze over the small things in life. Don't breeze over the subtle things in a woman's body. Sometimes the subtlest things are what matter the most. I tell you this right now. A woman holding your hand in the car for the first time is but an innocuous moment, potentially one of the most meaningful moments. Seemingly small, but the first time you had her in your car and the first time she holds your hand while you drive, It's the small things in life that make up life. The small things that make up life. You think it's the first time you penetrate. And while that is definitely a momentous experience, absolutely. And is not devoid of meaning by any sense. But as I've come older, as I've grown older through sexual experiences, what I've come to find is that it is within the small things that matter the most. The way that she holds your hand in the car for the first time the way that she wrapped her tongue around your earlobe for the first time. 
the way that she softened her eyes just a little bit more for the first time. These are the things that are like plate tectonic platonic shifts, tectonic shifts, the plate tectonic shifts in your relationship. This is where continents slightly adjust. Continents of the world of your sexual experience will adjust. That mountains, as a result of of plates adjusting by centimeters, somewhere out, kilometers out in the ocean of your romantic experience, now mountains appear in a different place. It's because, what I'm saying, of the way that she held your hand in the car. It's because of the way that she softened her eyes a little bit more. It's because of the way that she wrapped her tongue around your earlobe that you felt comfortable to make such a huge shift in another area. That penetration became the next likely thing. That wanting to spend an hour and a half to two hours of her in deep caress, deep breathing, deep heart-to-heart connection, that that only became as a result, that only resulted because you had this tiny little moment beforehand that lets you know, I see you, that I see you. In the stage of the podcast we're in right now, what we're currently in is what I would call (laughs) balls deep. We are balls deep, but we're in that part where we've shifted organically from what a sexual experience anxiety is to what a sexual experience fulfillment would be. You can sense that we are now, it is almost impossible to not talk about what the fulfilling experience would be after we've spent so much time on the unfulfilling, the anxious experience would be. But I do remember how this started and the way that we began this oh, hajime. The way we hajime this was, for those who don't speak Japanese, hajime is just the beginning. But really, if you haven't learned Japanese yet, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no, 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 fuck you. I, I'm not. I'm by no means fluent in Japanese. Nihongo wa Jozo Janai. I'm not very good at Japanese, but I know some. I know some. <laughs> with that, the hajime. That's right, with the hajime. So getting back to the hajime of things. Trust. Trust, I was getting on tactics of not shutting down the experience, not being a soft shell crab, develop more trust, develop more comfort. Right? You can you can be there. It's amazing how what will happen if you have a woman lie on her back and you just spend some time with her, spend some time with her, spend some time delving deep into who she is through the caressing of her body, that you will come to more comfort. You will come to comfort. You will come to a place in which that, okay, as I said before, the awareness of your stress, not only psychologically, but physically, that starts to relieve itself. When you when the dawning of the information that there is no rush here, even just that dawning will allow you to relax so much more. So now you're starting to see how the relieving of your sexual experience anxiety is not something that has to be battled alone. It's not something that has to be reckoned with within the solitude and the recesses of your deep mind it is something that in partnership this is something i was working with another client not in a sexual space but in a just relationships dynamics a client that has a they're not technically in a monogamous relationship but they're very very it's it's almost what i would call a hybrid they're almost in a hybrid where it's they consider each other the number ones in each other's lives but they still have room to explore outside of each other sexually at least anyway 
But there is a recognition that they are each other's number ones. And there was a point, there's a very deep context, it's a very long story, but to not bore you of all that. We were talking about how he felt that she had not displayed the level of empathy and consideration around one particular issue in their relationship to do with a house party that she had went to, but he didn't go to, and I won't get too much of the details, but it was something like that, right? And and he wanted to, he was gaining my guidance on how to bring this up with her and whether he even should bring this up with her. And something in their conversation had happened in which that there was very much a one-sidedness to how he was approaching it and how the resolution would come about. And I asked him, why is this not a we thing? Why is this not a team thing? Why is this not you encouraging her to be part of the solution? Why does part? Why does the solution only have to be from your end? You know, it's this lesson applies that when you're whether you're in a, a exclusive relationship with someone or whether you're just in the burgeoning first sexual experience of something, you know, you don't, as a man, you you take it upon yourself to carry the shield. Sometimes the shield gets heavy. And sometimes there are millions of invading hordes that are coming at you in your mind. And sometimes it is best to look to your left and see the person holding a shield next to you. Sometimes it's okay to take a knee, you know? Sometimes it's okay to take a knee psychologically as a man when you are overwhelmed, when you are feeling compressed and oppressed by the anxiety of your own mind. Sometimes it's okay to acknowledge that I'm not in my best shape right now. It's not okay to perpetuate that. It's not okay to live within a self-defeated, bubble-wrapped mindset of that I am weak and I will always be weak. It's not okay as a masculine being. But when you do happen across a moment of weakness, it is okay to acknowledge that. When you do happen across a moment of wanting to take your own life, it is okay to acknowledge that this is how I'm feeling and that I will stand in this feeling. I'll understand where it comes from. And only through the expression of what the embodied truth is of how I'm feeling would I ever come to recognize that this is a part of my psychological makeup. This is a part of effectively who I am and that I'll do work. I'll do work day by day to know that Taking my own life is not the only option. There are many options. Being weak is not the only option. Happening across a moment of weakness does not infer that you are a weak person. Happening across a moment of anxiety does not mean you are an anxious person. These are polarizing states of experience that we as human beings go through. To feel strong, to feel weak. There is no such thing as a strong person indefinitely, in perpetuity, eternally. There is moments of strength. There is an experience of strength as there is on the counter end experiences of weakness, depression, anxiety, psychopathic, psychological uh, thought lines. Have a little empathy for yourself. Take a knee for yourself if you need to. But don't stay down. And this is where we come back to that thought line that I was going on before, which is don't shut down the experience. That's what we're talking about here. Don't shut down the experience. If you have to take a knee, that's okay. Take a knee, explore something else while you're down there. Stand back up. 
Stand back up. Not, but, 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 stand back up, but stand back up into light. Don't stand back up into the darkness of what forced you to take a knee. This is what we're always talking about, the reconfiguration, the re, the reestablishment of what should have been there, which is that number one, heading into a sexual experience, there should have been no expectation from the get. That's really where things go awry in which that you thought that there was someone you had to live up to, there was some level of experience you had to deliver, there was some way you had to make her feel, there was some way that you had to feel. You went wrong from the beginning. How about get in the moment of her, take care of her, by being with her there, in that moment, present. You will find out the map to taking, let me take that back, the map to satisfying a woman will reveal itself as you become present with her. There is no map to satisfying a woman before getting in the moment with her. Every woman is different. Some women like it hard and good. Some women like it bad and good. We talked about this in the more sexually explicit podcasts. Some women like it very rough, physically very rough. They like the handcuffs, they like the whips, they like the chains. Chains is pretty fucking, pretty fucking hectic, actually. But <laughs> there are definitely some women like that. Some women... Like it Aladdin, magic carpet Aladdin. Haven't even taken into account where her sexual pace may have been. Now I'm just, as I went into that Aladdin, I was picturing that for a second, which is that, you know, this podcast is about your anxiety, but we have not brought in the potential of her anxiety. I'll offer this for you. Have you ever considered, as a masculine being, that a woman might be experiencing the very same sexual experience anxiety, but maybe just from a counterpoint, a slightly off angle that you had not considered? Have you ever considered, as a masculine being, that she has expectations of what she should be living up to? Have you ever considered, as a masculine being, that she thought there was something that you wanted, that there was a way that she had to be for you? that may push her, lead her to giving off signals of more intense sexual pace than what she is comfortable for. And that through a demonstration of you releasing your embodied truth of the anxiety you are feeling inside may just give her a pressure release herself. Ma? Dokana? Many a time, I've experienced this with particularly younger girls, obviously of legal age, but, you know, 18 to early 20s. Definitely trying to live up to the Tinder hype. I found this a lot during the online dating era. I call it the online dating era because it's like an era for me because I, I, don't, I don't use online dating apps in my general life. It's because of when COVID lockdowns hit and that was the number one tool of meeting people because it's the only tool of meeting people. So we've been through that. We had the social dating experiments and all that. When I was meeting a lot of these younger girls, it's like there's this Tinder hype. There's this hype. They put up these images of themselves and they portray themselves in a certain way. They talk to you a certain way because the way that you can sex someone, right, that's easy because you're behind a pixels. You're behind a screen. You can craft. You can use patterns of what you reference from other people. There's, there's, uh, it's, it's reduced input 
there are only so many measurements, so many modalities of input here. It's like there's the text, the emoji, you know, a photo, a new, you know, picture, video, and audio. And that's about it. Like, but it all happens in these segmented boxes of connection in which that if she sends me an audio message, I can't simultaneously saw, see how she sent the audio message. If she texts me something, some something, something filthy, she texts me something filthy, I couldn't hear what she was, how she had emphasized that. I couldn't see the facial expression with that. If I see, you know, the video is the best, but even then, the video can be almost more misleading because this is a 15-second clip. This is a timed-out clip. This is a clip that had preparation to it. That what happened before that clip was before she hit record. What happened after she hit record? You you got these segmented, posturized ideas of ideas of what I'm trying to communicate to you. They're not fully fleshed. They don't contain the full context. And so this is what I'm referred to as what Tinder hype is or online dating hype is. And so when you get into the moment with someone. There is no stop start. You, you, there is no 15 second timeout. We're here together. So now I get to see all of you and you get to feel all of me. And so you might find that, and I found this with younger girls, that it's very hard to live up to a caricature on their end. Girls that set this, ag- particularly in the aggressive form of sexuality, girls that are overtly sexually aggressive through an online dating app. Yeah, when they get in person, and you actually find this, that a lot of the times they either, uh, they bitch out of getting in person because they feel like they can't live up to that, or when they do get in person, they just, they fall apart, they crumble. And when I say fall apart, crumble, I'm not talking about shutdown, I'm talking about overdrive. Overdrive. You can always tell when someone is trying to live up to their perceived painting of who they are, of who they put themselves forward as, when they start doing too much. Not too little. Too little speaks to self-inadequacy. Mm, let me say that again. Too little speaks to... No, self-inadequacy was right. But it's a, I guess what we're talking about here is two different types of self-inadequacy. When you're doing too much, it's, it's self-inadequacy, the perception of what you had set up as being adequate and not being able to live up to that. Whereas doing too little is the actual the literal of what I generally believe that I cannot do and I am afraid of doing of that. So let me say that again because that was a little bit different word and not particularly well. Someone who's doing too much is because of what to what is actually expected, what they thought was expected. And you you feel that inadequacy. Which is why if you're a guy, you sending you sending nudes, don't be uh, trying to angle that shit up. <laughs> Right? Because you're going to have a hard time in real life living up to that expectation. But then with, say, for my client who's going through a self-inadequacy through his sexual experience anxiety, right? that's based on reality. That's based on what he's already known in the past. That's what I'm really trying to separate here between these uh, self-inadequacy points. If someone's doing too much, it's because they're trying to live up to something in their mind that has even never actually been proven out in real life. Whereas someone who's doing too little is basing that off of what has already happened in real life and they don't feel like they can improve upon that or that that's going to weigh them down. There we go. That's a, that's a good separation. Sorry, that was a little bit messy. A little bit messy, but I think we cleaned it up in the end. So uh, anyways, the whole entire point I was getting on there was that 
this is something that I see with young girls living up to a Tinder hype, living up to a overtly aggressive sexual behavior that they that's actually not them. And that's why they fall apart. And the way they fall apart is that they start taking clothes off too quick. They start trying to do too much too quick. Kissing you a little too heavy too quick. Trying to put their hand down your pants a little too quick, a little too high, a little too quick. It's like, hang on a second, what's the rush? What's the rush? And that's from a male perspective to the female. And now you can just as much inverse that. Just flip that perspective. You think that's what the girl's thinking? Why is this guy rushing so much? We've got time. Even the inference of what a one-night stand is. I'll pose this to you if you're a masculine listening to this. How many, how many girls do you think that are out there that are going, I want the one-night stand? You know, I'm not talking about people who are lacking mental facility. People that are drunk, people that are up on the cocaine, they're doing that dope. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is a girl who is sound of mind that is genuinely sitting there in the Uber as you're coming home from the club that is going, I want a one-night stand. As in, I want a one experience. One experience and that experience is now. And it has to be perfect. It's like, how many how many people do you think have that mindset? Yet, that is in fact the mindset that you think people have that would lead to the anxiety. Because if you were to acknowledge that actually, and if my client was to acknowledge, actually when she was sitting in the car with me, I think at the most, she would just be thinking, I hope this guy stays as good as he's been. If he's been so natural and effortlessly flowing with me, comfortable, to this point, I hope it just continues. Now, of course, this is consciously not happening over her mind. But if you would ask her in post, what, do you, what was it that you were expecting? If there was an expectation, well, everything that he had done leading up to this moment. He didn't need to do anything more. Right? He didn't need to wow me or, or blow my mind. This is not Hollywood. This is not Netflix. This is not an anime. This is not a... Uh, a soap opera or a Big Brother moment. Like this is not a uh, Big Brother's not a good one, but reality TV show is what I'm trying to say. Oh no, Big Brother's still pretty edited. So I have Big Brother in there, but any reality TV, it's not Married at First Sight, right? It's not The Bachelor. This is not a. a, a this is what's so important about this point. For those of you that are going home with someone for the first time upon a first experience, meeting each other for the first time, you know, I, I probably titled this podcast, How Not to Sleep with a Hot Russian Model. How to sleep with the hot Russian model. Don't worry about sleeping with the hot Russian model. You're sure. Don't worry about having to have sex that night. Just because you're going back to her place or you're going back to your place. That's all that it is. You're just going back to your place. When you get back into your place, you feel like playing some guitar, play some guitar. You want to watch a movie? Watch a movie. You want to lay down and just massage each other? Lay down and massage each other. It's like, just because you're going home, like it's when that client, the trigger point, what we're tackling here is the trigger point, which is that, okay, so I got in the car and it's just so obvious that we're going to be having sex tonight. That's why I got so anxious. Why was it so obvious? Why did you install that belief? Why did you adorn that? It was not necessary. It's absolutely not necessary. If you guys go back onto my channel and listen to, I 
it's part of a full social Q&A, but I cut it up because it's just that important. You just type it into my channel, how to have sex in the mansion. It's the mansion story. One of the greatest stories of all time. Trust me. That's why I had to cut it up. And it was me. Uh, it was a tremendous sexual experience at the time that spanned across many dates. And it was going back to this ridiculous mansion with this girl that I met in the street. And if you just go back and listen to that podcast, you will find the sexual progression I'm talking about in which that when we went into the mansion, I wasn't concerned about having sex with her in the mansion. I was concerned about when I got into her, first off, with the mansion itself. I made so much fun of the mansion itself. like just having so much fun just running around this ridiculous mansion. But when we got into the bed, I played guitar, fucked around with the guitar. We listened to music with each other. We just messed around. We just stepped into the moment with each other. We just did as children do. I still refer to myself as a child today. I was definitely an adult. I wasn't a child in literal sense, but I was being a child. I was being a child in that I was just being obsessed with the moment. I was being a child as I was just being obsessed with the moment. Therein lies the wisdom of all wisdom. I was being a child as I was just being obsessed with the moment. If being a child is being obsessed with the moment, then stay a child all your life. Never grow up. Never become an adult. If you do anything for me for the rest of your life, stay obsessed with the moment. If you would like a nicely balanced mental state and psychology, stay obsessed with the moment. I'm obsessed with the moment right now, with you right now. It's quite paradoxical because just even saying that took me out of the moment. But now I'm back in the moment with you. And I shall continue. So when we finally did have sex in the mansion, it was after a long, long, long play. Play in everything, play in everything, just from movies to guitar to music, not because I was diverting away or that we were trying to hide the fact that we wanted to have sex. It's because sex is only a reflection point. Sex is not an active point. In my clients, one of the biggest mistakes my client made in having sex with this hot Russian model was that he made sex the activity. He didn't make the joining of each other, the connecting with each other the deepening into the moment with each other, the primary activity. And so that only after having spent that time with each other, having connected so deeply, having shown her that as a masculine being, I take care of you physically, mentally, spiritually, in all the sexual realm, that your emotional care is my utmost concern and that giving her the chance to push that back onto him, to shine down upon him, her light, her love. And only through the process of that, then all of a sudden we found each other in the throes of deep physical intimacy, but only because it reflected what we had already established together, which is that we see each other. We hold each other now and we feel each other in this moment. Sex is only a reflection point. I'd hope it would only be a reflection point is what I'm saying. And when sex doesn't go well, it's because it wasn't a reflection point. It's because you pushed towards it as an active point. You pushed towards it as it was the number one metric for success. Whereas the number one metric for success between two human beings is just to see each other. And see each other doesn't just mean to understand each other. That's good. It doesn't just mean to be able to vibe, chill, have a good time. That's good. That's not what seeing each other means. Seeing each other is seeing into each other. 
going so deeply into each other that you see yourself, only to realize that you were in fact no one, and then in fact everyone. That's what seeing each other is. When you look so deeply into someone's eyes that you progress through that that progression, it's like, okay, first year I'm, I'm going deeply into her eyes. What do I see? Might take you a few seconds, but if you can come into the moment, the first thing you'll see is yourself. You see yourself in her, not just in the literality of that, the reflection in her eye, you can literally see yourself because you're so focused. But no, it's like, oh, I'm just staring at a mirror here. And then as you deepen a little deeper into her eyes, you deepen into that just a little bit more. What does it mean to see myself in her? I am no one. You start to let go of yourself as you're journeying through her. And then as you're finishing that journey through her, you come back out to realize that you are everyone. Having let go of yourself, you are everyone and all things that exist in this moment and interconnectivity of this entire life. The birds that sing outside, the breeze that runs through my hair right now, the grains of sand crushing underneath your feet. The gentle caress of a woman's delicate neck. Subtle, yet powerful. You come to realize, I am all things, all at once, right now. Your life is a poem. Your existence is a poem. Everything that's happening to you right now is a work of majesty. It is a miracle of majesty. How any of us could be experiencing what we're experiencing right now is insanity. Mathematically impossible. Almost. Because somehow it's happening. So breathe a little deeper. Breathe a little deeper into who you are. Sit a little deeper into who you are. Bring someone in front of you. Come into them a little deeper. Hug a little stronger. Hug a little longer. When you run your hand down her neck, don't breeze over that moment. When you part her legs for the first time, don't part, don't pass over that moment. And to pass over the feeling of these moments in time as human beings for the first time. This in lies the issue of repetition and how relationships, our relationship with reality itself becomes so stale because we become these autonomous beings. And I'm, I need to say that again. Well, no, no, that is actually the right word. We become these, no, that was the right word. It's just that I'm using, I've been using that word so much in the freedom movement when we say I'm a free autonomous being that it talks, there, there are different ways of using the word autonomous because you can also have an autonomous robot, which is the what I was meaning to, that's the inference I had before. You know, we become these robotic beings 
right? They're known as heuristics, as Daniel Kahneman writes about in Thinking Fast and Slow. As human beings, we're, we are wired to make snap judgments, to make patterns of decision-making. We make patterns of perception. That if you were to step outside, if you were to step into a experience of the human being beyond the first time, second time, third time, tenth time, hundredth time, well, things start to feel a little dry. They start to feel a little stale. The passion dies. You hear this. The passion dies. Does the passion die? Or do you just become more and more autonomous in your robotic nature? Do you just become more and more desensitized and you start to make more snap judgments of perception of what's expected? Because is it not possible to feel someone for the first time every time? The second, third, fourth, and fifth are only relative to the experience before it, if there is a mind to perceive that. What I'm talking to you about here is the recall, the memory. But if you are truly tapped into presence, presence of now, is it not true that every experience is the first experience? Because there is never another moment. There is only this moment. The aberration of the past and the delusion of the future, they only exist within your mind. They are products of mind. But if you are truly here now, if you're here with me now, it seems like maybe some of you who are a lot who are riding along with this, maybe some of you are saying, "Well, theoretically, this sounds pretty top notch." Maybe theoretically, this is very accurate. But Adam, is it not the human condition that we are wired to recognize pattern, to create past, and to create future? Is that not the state of the ego? It is. So that's why I would encourage you to do away with the state of the ego when necessary. The ego is very powerful. Very powerful. We would not be, I would not be here uh, with this podcast, Mark, doing this right now if I didn't have an ego of Adam who decided that I was not going to come home and eat and I was going to do this podcast. I made an egoic decision before this session in which that I had a decision. So I just, I literally just came from the barber and I went to the beach to wash my hair out and just get in the beach, of course, be in the ocean. But but I came home and I haven't eaten yet. I haven't eaten all day. What is it? It's 2 p.m. It's 2 p.m. I haven't eaten since like, well, so like eight, 8 o'clock last night was the last meal. So we've been fasted for, I don't know, 18 hours now or whatever. 16, 18 hours, which is fine. Like I'm very used to fasting. But I had a decision. But I had a decision, which is that I'm either going to do the podcast on an empty stomach because I feel cleanest when I do that, or I'm going to eat and then maybe have a subpar podcast. Subpar for me. I'm sure you guys would still enjoy it. But for me, I always I, there are levels to which I know I can operate. So this, that's all ego. And even me just doing this deliberation right now, it's all ego, which means it's very productive because what it meant was that I'm able to give you the best of myself and I'm able to bring the best podcast I can bring to you guys that I could possibly could have today. This was definitely the best state I possibly could have been in. Ego is useful. But now that I'm in the podcast with you, my ego is not very useful. A lot of the time as I'm in this podcast with you, I'm literally staring down the barrel of the camera and I'm not even aware of who I am or what time it is. 
I'm sure, literally, they could be, they, they could be, someone could have fucking broken into the house and I wouldn't have known if they didn't, you know, it's, there are so many things that are going on around me I have absolutely no concept of because I'm really not here when I'm in the flow of this podcast, particularly when we get start talking about caressing a woman's body or we start getting into deep spiritual sexual things. I just let go of everything and I just, I'm here with you. When you're in a sexual experience, what I'm applying this to, why I brought this up, when you're in a sexual experience, your ego is not necessary. And I'm not talking about that in the most shallow of forms. In the shallow of forms, it's not necessary. But in the deepest of forms, it is not necessary. I mean, to experience a human being for the first time is a beautiful thing. To experience a human being for the first time every time is even more beautiful. And I'm only just finding that out now. What I'm trying to say that is, why I said that is because there was one girlfriend I had in the past where, you know, the sexual flame died. And I look back on that going now, but whose fault was that? Who was too consumed in their ego to be able to see the human being before them? Big questions, big questions that I think we all know the answer to. Okay, I feel like we're there. I feel like we have arrived and a summary is profit. How to sleep with a hot Russian model. First off, don't worry about sleeping with her. Just have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Allow her to enjoy herself. Keep doing everything that made this a naturally, effortlessly flowing experience. Otherwise, she would not be with you in the Uber. She would not be with you as you were coming back, stepping into her apartment. Right? You start to, if the rain of your anxiety starts to fall, acknowledge that it's raining. Don't try and fight the rain because you're going to get wet. It's an endless horizon. The storm's there. Yes, pull out an umbrella. Pull out the breathing umbrella, the visualization. But if the umbrella's got holes, don't hate the umbrella. Recognize that. The rain's pretty heavy. And so, when it is raining, let your partner know. After you've acknowledged and accepted how you feel inside, let your partner know. Because they do know, whether you say it or not, yet they would feel a lot better, and so would you, if you do say it. But don't say it to the extent of shutting down the experience. Say it to the extent of wanting to progress and to ensure that the experience stays wholesome, stays good. Trust in the goodness of the person in front of you. Trust in that your vulnerability and authenticity will be met, will be received, and will be righted with. In the event that it's not, if there's some outlier experience that happens, do not cast that upon all human beings. It's very rare to meet someone that won't ride with you. It's possible, so I'm saying it, but it's very unlikely. And so when you ride with, a great way to continue riding is to develop more trust. Ask yourself to be a little more vulnerable physically, but that doesn't necessarily have to mean intimately. You don't have to, that, that's what I'm talking about with just getting her to lie, lie down. You can even reverse that. You can say to her, hey, listen, I'll but try something right here, which is, I just want to kind of lie back and close my eyes and just do whatever you think is, do Play around. <laughs> Play around. Now, I'm saying that very cheekily because 
I'm not in a, I'm not experiencing anxiety right now. But if you were experiencing anxiety, the vocal tonality would come out very differently. And the way that would come out would be probably sound something similar to, I just kind of want to lie back and I just want to trust you for a little bit. I just want to see if I can kind of like let go. You know, like I, I keep my, I keep my shorts on, but you know, just whatever comes natural, just, just do it. See what she does. Maybe she'll place her hand on your cheek. Maybe she'll place her lips on your neck. Maybe she'll just hold your hand. And allow you to feel love. Allow her to connect into the moment of love. Allow trust and comfort to develop. Allow yourself to feel into the subtle lines of what a human being is. Because it is within the subtle lines of life and the subtle lines of humanity that you find goodness. And you find how good you can be. The big moments, they're big, but the big moments are made of small moments. And therein lies the gold. Finally, don't take for granted what you have here now. As far as we know, we only get to run this experience once in this manifestation. Make the most of it while you're here. And I thank you all for joining me here in this beautiful session. I feel beautiful inside. I feel a warm, joyous center emanating from within my center. I feel love, peace, and joy radiating, pulsating throughout my being. And I would not be feeling those feelings if I didn't know that there was someone else on the end of this that will potentially gain benefit. That this might help someone. And I think, in fact, I think maybe you guys can tell what I'm about to say, which is that it has helped someone, which is me. Yeah, a lot of these sessions are are lessons to a younger self. They are lessons to a 19-year-old version of myself that didn't know these things. So very grateful for you being here if you would like to drop, drop a comment on youtube that'd be most appreciated with any of your biggest takeaways how you felt about this your reflections on life your journey in life i'd love to hear you can connect with me on social media instagram facebook all the links down below uh free weekly email newsletter the bowl sip all that's there and if you listen to this on the audio plugs will come after this for some deeper education regarding coaching and regarding meditation but i'll leave that all for when that all needs to come and yes, we'll wrap this up right here. Wishing you all the absolute best in your lives. Much peace and much joy. Ja. Thank you very much for diving into today's session. It was great to have you here and I'd love your feedback. If you want to send me a message on either social media, on Instagram or on Facebook or through the website, all the links are down below. That'd be greatly appreciated. And if you would like to help to support the podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link or through boldojo.com. Again, all the links down below. Also, if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip, you can do so over at boldojo.com. Just a quick sip of Social Dynamics, little cheeky article. It's free every single week. Comes out on Fridays, Australian time, and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that I think you guys need to know about that will not get censored over on social media. If you'd like to book one-on-one coaching sessions, create action plans and overcome limiting beliefs to help you move forward in your life across any area of the temple, whether it be purpose, physical, mental or social development, you can reach all of that through boldojo.com. Send me an email there if you're not quite sure, but you can check out the Bold Coaching memberships or just once-off sessions. And I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy on boldojo.com. 
a nice five track, eh, we call it an album, but it's actually more of a course, just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash Adam Ui, A-D-A-M-O-O-I, or also directly on balldojo.com in the Baldojo podcast section. There's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well. And anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at the bowl. So thank you very much. And finally, I wish you all the strength and power as you move forward in this life, not only learning how to interact better with other people, but learning how to interact better with yourself. Much peace and much joy.